prosecution outlined how accounting practices what fuck? What? did not What kind of likeness is that? If they were great artists, they'd be in a museum. I'm fucking fodder for cartoonists now. weekly dose of gutter boys gutter boys is a small press comics podcast about the ins the outs the highs and the very deep endless lows of making comics i'm your host jb with my co-host cam on this episode episode 80 we are joined with uh, michigan-based cartoonist derek marks Derek is the author of Nights and Weekends, Grace, Jerry, Jessica, and Me, which was just collected in the recent self-published book, Legendary Spirits, and uh, as well as Fabulous Topless Woman, just to name a few things that he's done. Uh, we get into it with him and uh, talk about his work and, you know, his recent appearance at TCAF. A pretty fun little interview. Yes. Yes. Uh, let's see. We do have some news and shout outs, so I guess let's just get right into it, right? I mean, what yeah, else are yeah. we... Yeah, let's, let's yeah. get this shit over with. Uh, real quick, I feel like we haven't actually been talking too much about comics that much in the intros lately. Um, just some books that I read lately that I think that are really cool. Finally got around to reading Antoine Cassay's Maytax. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's M-E-T-A-X. Uh, fantastic work. I gotta say, I didn't enjoy it as much as I do the Breakdown Press stuff, but it's not, you know, a bad book by any means. I like the storytelling and everything in it, and he's one of my favorite cartoonists working. Um, definitely pick that shit up, though. I just wanted to say that real quick. Uh, I have not been reading any comics. Yeah. I reread Heart of a Dog okay. by uh, Mikhail Bulgakov. Yeah, that's that shit you got when you were here, right? Yes, yes. Uh, it's it's a good book. It's nice. short. You know, it's not like one of those mega thick books from a lot of other Russian writers of that era. So uh -huh. that's nice. But yeah, it's always I always like returning to that book every couple of years. Real quick, let's do some news. Not a lot to cover. Yeah. But this is, I feel, uh, we both feel uh, very pertinent to the comics world, or at least, you know, what most people know as the comics world and that's substack mm -hmm. and uh what did you see recently in an article that came across your desk yeah so uh bloomberg uh had an article that was called newsletter startup substack cuts 14 percent of staff as downturn looms uh pretty much uh they said here uh newsletter platform substack cut 13 jobs on wednesday citing a gloomy economic outlook the jobs represent 14 percent of the startup's workforce according to a company spokeswoman uh substack's digital platforms allows writers to publish free or paid newsletters and the san francisco-based startup collects a roughly 10 percent cut of the paid subscriptions so yeah this was bound to happen uh the best part is is at the end they talked to uh substack ceo chris best 
And he said that uh, he and his two co-founders chose to eliminate the positions in order to make Substack less reliant on additional fundraising in the future, especially as a market downturn has sent technology stocks diving in recent months. And he said, in recent weeks, the macroeconomic outlook has become increasingly uncertain, making it clear that we should be prepared for a period of challenging conditions that could last for years. But he also said he was very sorry for going back on his word to employees. Not so long ago, I told you all that our plan was to grow the team and not to do layoffs. <laughs> Damn. So, yeah, I bet they feel real fucking stupid now, giving people like Donny Cates and James Tire Iron like exclusive fucking deals, you know, like locking them down. Really? I mean, like they're back on Twitter. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you guys want some comedy, um, Donny has a video up where he's wearing eyeliner and he's like cosplaying uh, the blonde uh, dude from the Lost Boys, the vampire guy, it looks like. But uh, it's, it's really peak like midlife crisis shit. It rocks. But it's like it's a specific place, right? Like it's not just... It's not just any location. Oh, yeah, yeah. What was it? Is like something about Star Wars or some shit? I th- yeah, I think it's something from like the prequel movies or something. Yeah. Fuck Donny Cates. But um, yeah, so his ass is already back on Twitter because uh, he can't resist uh, being dunked on. <laughs> and uh, because he's a pain pig. And also because, you know, actually, there was a dude uh, that <laughs> DC writer, Tom Taylor, he got some like negative feedback on one of his comics and he like posted on twitter he was like leaving twitter and he screenshotted like the apple screen where it says you are deleting twitter and all it's all its content so like he screenshot that he was gonna delete it and then tweeted that he deleted it with the screen so it's like he either had to reinstall the app or he just never deleted it. it's like you guys have fucking terminal like comics writer brain like <laughs> yeah it's all performative it's all yeah. performative it's like you know it's like the baby at the birthday party screaming because the cake is not for them that's all that is. Yep, yep. It's like you have to have the the mind of a child, you know, but not even not even like uh pre-K. Like we're talking like before the skull even fuses properly. You know, mm-hmm. your 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 skull and your brain are basically the same gelatinous soft tissue, and that's kind of where you have to be in terms of like emotional maturity in order to post the way they do. Yeah. And I mean, you know, just kind of going back to Substack, I give this thing, I'm putting it on Death Watch, uh, RIP Bozo Pack Watch. <laughs> how long do these people, how long did they sell or how long did they sign these people up for contracts? Gotta be like two or three years at most. Oh, yeah, they're just hemorrhaging money. Yeah, so whenever those contracts are up, they're done. Put a fork in them, they're done. You heard it here first. Whenever those contracts are out there, done. I mean, you know, peace and love to the 13 fallen Substack soldiers that lost their job. You guys collect some unemployment and go to some other tech startup and wash, rinse, repeat. But, you know, yeah, Substack's done. I give it, you know, two or three years at most. You know how that wouldn't have happened is if they unionized. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Speaking of, shout out to Seven Seas Entertainment, the manga company that publishes a lot of not safe for work manga and uh, (laughs) some other shit. But uh, they also do the Common Rider, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do a bunch of like uh, old '80s adaptation shit. But um, yeah, yeah. Their employees finally fucking uh, got through and they unionized. Uh, It took them way too fucking long, and the company hired (laughs) union busting firms and shit. Of course, of course. Um, But. You know, they put out a statement, and I'm not going to read it because I think the the news is a couple weeks old, but we didn't talk about it here. But I just want to say it fucking rocks, you know, despite the company taking a while to bend the knee, uh, the fucking employees held out, and now they got themselves a little union, so hats off to you. It's great. It's great, great. Love to see it. Yep. Pimp of the year shit. 
Not the company, truly. the union. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I like their stuff. They put out some good reprints. I feel like they're reprinting a lot of stuff that we wouldn't get otherwise in the States, so yeah. good on them. Not the company for doing the anti-union shit. That's fucked. But shout out to the employees who actually run that company. Yep. Anyway. Uh, all right. So let's get into shout outs. Yeah. Uh, we got quite a few. Uh, so let's start with a letter. How about that? Uh, we got uh, a little gift package from Gavin Mackey. What up, Gavin? Uh, he is the creator of Gooblets, which is, uh, speaking of manga, a very manga-influenced comic, I think. Yeah, this motherfucker draws them in all kinds of different scenarios, different costumes, different settings on his Instagram. Uh, that's mainly the way that I've seen them. He did send over a yeah. package and, uh, you know, definitely, you know, like you said, very manga-influenced, but in a fun way. Yeah, and there's a little bit of, a, you know, some French influence there, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but he sent over, uh, you know, a care package with comics, stickers, uh, I believe a print slash postcard. And in the letter, he writes, uh, Dear JB, thank you for receiving my comic. You're welcome, Gavin. I've been loving the pod for a long time, and I've been loving the shirts you've been putting out. Gutter Boys makes me excited to make comics because it shows that there's still a dedicated audience for independent comic artists. The pod also makes me ashamed to be part of such an embarrassing subculture. <laughs> but oh well. <laughs> you guys rock. <laughs> Gooblet's Contact is my first debut comic. I've made many comics before, but this is the first that is fully my vision. It's short, but hopefully a sweet taste of things to come. I've got big plans. If anyone wants to buy a copy, DM me. Keep pimping, Gav. And you can find Gavin and DM him for a copy on Instagram at Gavin Flavor, no spaces, G-A-V-I-N Flavor, like Flavor Town. Yes. All right. Next on the shout out list, we've got a friend of the show, Cole Pauls, who sent over uh, a nice newspaper comic. So it's printed on newsprint. It folds out like a newspaper. This one has uh, quite a few other contributors, and it is called Salmon Run. I'm going to assume I could be wrong here, but I'm going to assume that these are all comics made by uh, indigenous creators. Uh, maybe that's not right, but I'm getting the feeling that I that's believe the case so. Here. Yeah. Okay. All right. I haven't gotten a chance to read it yet. I kind of just skimmed through it. Uh, I do apologize. I will be reading it. I've just been pretty busy around the house lately. Yeah. Same. Same. Same here. But yeah, two color, really nicely printed red, black inks on uh, newsprint. Can't go wrong there. No, you can't. No, you can't. But Cole's very prolific, always uh, engaged in his community and uh, yeah. constantly pumping out work that also tries to, you know, spread the message of the plight that his community faces and uh, really kind of fun stuff to follow. Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think there's really a whole lot of like indigenous comic creators in the scene. So uh, it's good that they're highlighting that. I feel like most people wouldn't even be able to name one. And I'm talking about people that are actively involved in reading comics. So it's definitely needed. <laughs> it, it's weird to me that that's the case, right? Like, I don't know. I, I feel like there's so much coming out in comics that have something to do with like indigenous cultures, but like rarely are they ever made by anybody who have that background. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, if you want to check out Cole's work, you can follow him on Instagram at Tundra Wizard. Uh, he does have a new book coming out soon via Conundrum Press. Don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. I do apologize, Cole, if I'm not, but it's called Quander. K-W-A-N-D-U-R. There are some accent marks there, so I'll probably botch the pronunciation of that, but you can get that from Conundrum Press. 
Uh, and then real quick, I wanted to shout out to some people that gave me some some of their work while I was visiting in Chicago. I already touched on this in the Patreon episode, but, uh, you know, not everyone is a patron for some reason. So I got from a friend of the show, past guest, good friend, Matthew Allison, who uh, was nice enough to give me a copy of his newest book, Cancor, which is a hardcover self-published book. This thing is fucking beautiful. Holy shit. It's got a nice satin cover with those little gloss hits, you know, those little gloss spots. And uh, this one collects all of his past Cancor issues and includes some additional new comics from Cancor. I just cannot recommend this book enough. Matt is a machine. Uh, He's been pumping out some of my favorite comics over the last 15 years, and it's really cool to finally have a hardcover book collecting all of his recent books. And like I said, this thing is printed very well. The the cover is excellent. And um, I am actually looking forward to sitting down and reading this soon. So Hell yeah. Thank you very much. He also gave me a trading card, uh, which I believe was given out to backers of this book. And uh, it's basically a recreation of those old Marvel trading cards, but with a painting of Kankor. But he he actually got he hired a, an artist to do this painting. It's by uh, Peter Scanlon. Mm-hmm. Yes, Peter Scanlon. Uh, and it's yeah, this thing rocks. I don't know if you're not following him, go on Instagram at Kankor with two R's, C A N K O R R. Yes, sir. Also, during my trip in Chicago, I got to hang out with Caroline Cash, and uh, she was nice enough to hand me her newest comic, I'm So Punk, a comic about shitty punk boys. It is a collection of her recent work. Uh, Caroline is a beast. Uh, She's still pumping out amazing work. You can actually pick this up from her directly. Uh, Check out her Instagram account, cash underscore browns, and I believe it's only $6, so quite a steal. So grab one while you can. I don't know if she even has any left, but if she does, pick one up as soon as you can. Alrighty. Uh, what else we got? Uh, we also have from a friend of the show, Kenshi Toll. Yes. All the way in Seattle, Washington. Uh, he sent over some comics to... Uh, I, well, he sent us individual packages. Correct. I received a couple of issues of the Marvel Masterpieces run. I, I don't even remember seeing these as a kid, but... Uh, yeah, all the covers are like these uh, paintings of different Marvel characters, and they rock. If I was a kid and I saw these, yeah, I would have been all over them. So thank you, Kenji. Now, on top of that, he also mailed us copies of... The Common Rider Anthology. Speaking of Seven Seas, right. Yeah. He sent over the 50th Anniversary Edition Common Rider manga, the classic manga by Shatoro Ishinomori. Good brick. Of a book. This thing, you could beat someone to death with this thing. (laughs) Uh, This is a hefty book. It's going to take a while for me to read, but I'm very, very happy I have it Mm -hmm. because for a while I've been trying to track down the original manga because, you know, I'm uh, I'm a big fan of the original Kamen Rider show. And I think uh, the manga that went along with it is really, really cool. So now I can actually read it because it's in English. So that's pretty good. Uh, So yeah. yeah, Kenshi, thank you. So much for this. Yeah, and Kenshi sent me over some Nancy and Sluggo comics as well, so thank you so much, dude. That's so appreciated. And uh, check out Arcane Comics if you're ever in the area. Yeah, great shop. Everybody that works there, great people. Awesome, awesome place. So go, if you're in the Seattle area, please support your local shop. Go to Arcane. Great spot. They'll take care of you. Okay, and then lastly, this is not really a shout-out. I mean, I guess it is. I got uh, my contributor copies from Jared Cody Wolf 
for uh, the anthology that he did recently called Winter Special. And this one is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle themed fan comic zine. Uh, it's in full color. It's got our boy Jasper Jubinville on the front and a uh, friend of the show Erwin Papa on the back. Filled to the brim, folks, with awesome, awesome work. We got Jake Matchin, Jonathan McBurney, Enzo Garza, Raymond Salvador, Howie Knoll, Manning Co., Stan Waney, Gabe Ostley, Josh Bayer and Hyena Hell, Jordan Barry Brown, of course, Jared Cody Wolf also, Jan Pisarski, and uh, as uh, you know mentioned before, Erwin Papa. And then I also have a four-page mini in here. So thank you to uh, Jared for having me on to contribute and thank you to everyone that's already ordered it i've seen it online popping it up all over my feed people are buying it and shouting us out so thank you very much for that uh i will be purchasing my own copies to sell on my website soon relatively i don't have a firm date yet because jared's still kind of figuring out the details of that on his end but uh once he has that all squared away i'll be able to sell them online I'm just going to get a copy from you because I saw it and, the first time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'll, yes, right, right, right. And, uh, and yeah, and feedback on the comic has been great. So yeah, a uh, shout out Hell to Brian yeah. McKay also, who was nice enough to, uh, throw me some kind words about my, uh, my pages. So sick. Yep. Well, still uh, not out of the game yet somehow. Yeah. Well, we'll be back in, uh, relatively soon, uh, with the retreat coming up and stuff. We kind of got to dive back in and, uh, before we get out, we do have to end the episode on a little bit of a down note in the intro on a down note, rather. Two RIPs, uh, former Pimp of the Year, friend of the show, and immortalized in their comics, M.S. Harkness's cat, Duchess, went on to the other side. So RIP Duchess. And also, we lost the man, Tony Sirico, Polly Walnuts. Devastating. I mean, crazy yeah. that yeah. we lost Ray Liotta, Sirico, and James Kahn. A godfather, Within a, few a soprano, months, yeah. and a good fella. Yeah, it's truly a, a huge loss to the Dudes Rock segment of the population. Yes. So, uh, you know, shout out uh, shout out to the boys, you know, gone but not forgotten. Never forgotten. And um, I don't know if this is true, but I retweeted it and the tweet has 34,000 likes. So that's enough engagement to be true in my book. But at Prison Pete tweeted out this. Best Tony Sirico story I heard was on The Sopranos. When a character was going to be killed off, everyone would be super apologetic to the actor losing their job at the read-through. Tony would show up like 10 minutes late and make machine gun noises at the person being killed off. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Hell yeah. I hope that's true. Rest in peace to a uh, hard dick warrior, Tony Sirico. Yes, one of the last few bastions of people that can pull off a wife-beater look. Although that yes. is no longer the accepted term for those, what do they call them now? Um, undershirts just generically they domestic just domestic disturbance to shirts Dis <laughs> damn uh i think they're just referred to as undershirts i could be wrong okay, but, uh, okay back in my day when i was growing up we knew them as as the wife beater shirts yeah which uh, i think is a fine fine legacy to leave <laughs> to the italian american community <laughs> uh damn whoever came up with that term uh wow good on you i guess anyway yeah all right, so uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we will be joined with cartoonist Derek Marks. So stick around. We'll be right back. Athenium Comic Art is an original art website for some of the best cartoonists in the business. They currently represent Remy Boydell, Marie Capel France, Nicole Gu, 
Jonathan Hill, Emma Hunsinger, Casey Nowak, Micah Song, and Tilly Walden. Athenium Comic Art gives fans the opportunity to own original piece of art from their favorite comics and support the artists that they love. In their short time in business, they've already shipped many iconic pages out to hardcore fans across the globe. Don't miss out on your chance to own a one-of-a-kind piece of history. Check out their website, AtheniumComicArt.com, and type in Gutter Gang at checkout to receive free shipping on your first order. Again, the website is AtheniumComicArt.com, and the code is GutterGang. What do a pair of deadly assassins, a beefy pile of roided up high school football players, a zombie outbreak, cute dragons, and a himbo barbarian have in common? You can find them all in the upcoming pages of the Santos Sisters. That's right. Ambar and Alana are back for more gripping adventures. Once again, Offset Press printed in full color on your favorite decadent newsprint. Prestigious publication. The Comics Journal. Love the first issue. Calling it a highly entertaining comic. And Katie and Sally from the Thick Lines podcast called it a masterpiece. And more than they deserve. And who are we to disagree? The Santos Sisters. is available now. Don't miss out. Ask your favorite comic book retailer to add it to your pull list today or find it online at santosisters.com. Rust Belt Review is a quarterly comics lit magazine featuring serialized and short form comics from some of the most exciting cartoonists in the small press scene today. Volume 1 features work from Gutter alums M.S. Harkness, Audra Stang, and Caleb Arecchio, along with work by Andrew Greenstone, Sean Knickerbocker, and Juan Jose Fernandez. You can order your copy of Rust Belt Review today by going to rustbeltreview.org. Enter in promo code GUTTER to receive two bucks off your order. Again, that website is rustbeltreview.org. Promo code GUTTER. Who loves underground comics? Everybody loves underground comics! And if you know people who don't love underground comics and only read the mainstream comics, immediately report them to your local comic book store and find them with copies of Clusterfux Comics. Clusterfux Comics is a black and white underground anthology comic scene featuring some of the best underground comics creators today. Creators like Cameron Zavala, Eric Jasek, Brian Judge, Miguel Aguilar, Adam Yeeter, Jason Cavelli, Umberto Tonella, Anna Peterson, Tony DePasquale, Drewby Hall, and so many more. Issues 1 through 4 are available now, with the fifth issue debuting in early 2023. Purchase your copies today at clusterfuckscomics.bigcartel.com. And that's comics with an X. Clusterfucks Comics. Comics you can clusterfucks with. The Last Aviatrix is a post-nuclear adventure comic by independent Los Angeles-based cartoonist Buster Cagle. The story follows Summer, our last aviatrix, who pilots the sole surviving airplane, a nuclear-powered B-29, as she travels the ruined world finding ways to survive and help humanity while dealing with the eminent threat of the Atomborn, a rare breed of atomic wizards that want to see her out of the sky. Her mission becomes complicated when she accidentally picks up Henry, an Atomborn child who wields incredible power, and Clementine, a berserker on a quest for vengeance. Can our aviatrix survive this ruined and irradiated waste Land? Every issue can be read for free on BusterCagle.com slash comics. Paper copies can be ordered as well, but, you know, you can still read it for free. If you like Wizards or Warplanes, go check it out. Hey Gutter Gang. 
Cam here to tell you about Soggy Landing again, longtime supporter of the podcast. They recently sent us printed copies of the first three chapters to review and are currently posting chapter four online with updates on Instagram. And while I personally haven't seen any of chapter four since I don't read webcomics, I can tell you the first three chapters are really fun to read and full of weed smoking wizards and hijinks. They've also been contributors to Rust Belt Review issues three and four with some soggy side stories, so make sure to check those out too. You can read Soggy Landing over on Study Group Comics and over on Instagram at Ian Densford or at welcome underscore two underscore soggy underscore landing. Soggy Landing, hell yeah, dude. Morning, Gary. Morning, Mary Ann. Need a menu? Nah, I'll just have the usual. You sure do love your eggs and coffee, Gary. Best way to start your morning, Mary Ann. Well, that and an issue of Town and County. What's that? Town and County is a new comic series written and drawn by cartoonist Alex Nall. He's that guy that wrote them books about teaching and that Mr. Rogers feller. Oh, he was such a nice man. The first issue is 36 pages of black and white comic stories with beautiful color covers and features six stories about folks in our little township here in Illinois. Like Susie Barber, the house cleaner that uncovers her client's dirty laundry, if you know what I mean. And Stanley Pepper, that big feller that just lost his job and took to drinking every night at Bugs's Tavern. Well, ain't that something? Town & County is published by Ivy Terrace Press, headquartered in Chicago. Chicago? Who would want to live there? So dirty. Each issue comes with a copy of The Hometown Hero, our little town's newsletter, and it's only $8. $8? Where can I get it, Gary? You can order a copy of Town & County on the internet at storeenvy slash Comics. Oh, there's your breakfast, Gary. Thanks, Mary Ann. Ah, nothing like a cup of coffee and a good comic book. Now, back to our program. Welcome back from the break. Today on the second half of the show, we are joined by uh, Detroit, Michigan-based cartoonist Derek Marks. Derek just released uh, his uh, new issue of Fabulous Topless Woman, issue number two, and uh, is also hot off the heels of an appearance at TCAF a few weeks ago, and uh, just released a uh, third printing, if I'm not mistaken, of Legendary Spirits, The Collected Grace, Jerry, Jessica, and me. Uh, Derek, how are you today? I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah, hey, we're here, hanging out. (laughs) We're We're good. We're good. How was TCAF? It was amazing. Yeah. Probably one of the best shows I've done. Okay. Awesome. Okay. That's good news. Yeah. We were uh, wanting to know like what the uh, show is going to be like. They had the weird like NFT thing. So we didn't know if it would be like a volatile, you know, kind of environment. No, 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 none of that. It was, um, I think the only thing that, that I would complain about with it was that we had to wear masks the whole time, which is sort of like a half, it's like a half complaint of like, I get it, you know, and I'll do it just to you know it's etiquette at this point but um it makes it when you're standing there all day selling yourself it makes you have to shout 
louder than you can. So <laughs> yeah. by the end of the day, you're just this like raspy Lindsay Lohan mess. <laughs> <laughs> was that your first time doing TCAF? No, it was my second. Okay. Better than the first time? I would say, um, I don't know. It's hard to say. The first time I did it, it was in 2019. I was in a different area. This time I had, um, I had a corner table on the second floor, which was sort, it was sort of off in like a secret room that a lot of people maybe wouldn't have known about but Mm. um since i had that corner table a lot of traffic came through and then my partner that they just teamed me up with i didn't know her she didn't show up so i ended up having like this whole big space so it was it was sort of nice um yeah that's that's sick best case scenario yeah yeah, for sure (laughs) yeah (laughs) no giant banner just like hiding your stuff or anything you know I know. I wish I would have had something. I'm so bad at um, I'm so bad at presenting my stuff. I just like show up with like, you know, some little things and it's it's not really, um, you know, so many other people you walk by and there's it's like they've set up a mini store, you know, and the displays yeah. are, are beautiful, but mine are just like, here they are. Well, yeah, can, we, yeah. can we come to a consensus here that if you run a small press show, like you're tabling at a small press show, there's no reason to have a banner. Uh, yeah. I mean, if they know who you are, you know, I mean, if you have if you have the tablecloth where it just says your name so people can find you, I think that's fine. You know, one with TCAF, I think there's so many that you probably need a banner at TCAF. There's so many contributors or contributors. Sorry. uh, So many. uh, What's the word I'm looking for here? Um, I just think, you know, like exhibitors you mentioned earlier, there's not a whole lot of space to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, what, three floors? Because I haven't actually been to the show. I've only seen pictures. Is it still like all the floors of the library yeah it's three floors um the first floor is kind of the primo area that's where they have all the all the bigger vendor um and then the second floor they have i think they have two areas it's uh there's like one area towards the windows off to the side and then there where i was was kind of like a, a room off to the side so it was mm. sort of like a big room with a lot of different vendors in there and then i didn't even go to the third floor i was the whole time i was there since i didn't have anyone helping me this time or like a partner to be like hey watch my stuff i just uh, um, i was pretty much just at my table <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> did you uh buy anything cool or did you not even get a chance to look around i mean uh the only thing i did i went to the secret acres table and i bought their stuff because um that I made friends with them when we were there. And then um, I went and um, Stranger's Fancy and I went to his table, but I didn't buy anything. I was just dropping off uh, copies of Legendary Spirits and I, I talked to Eddie for a bit. Hell that yeah. was it. Mm. I, that was all I could, could do. Damn. Um, okay. Yeah. Did you get to uh, enjoy Toronto uh, outside of the show? I mean, a, a little bit. I mean, we, we went out for drinks, you know, um, and then the day after was the rap party and that was fun. And then that was kind of it. I mean, you, you guys know from doing those shows, you're just kind of beat after right, it. So yeah. like you like want to go party and stuff because you, when are you around all these other cartoonists that you know, you know, but right. yeah. I just, I'm old and don't have the energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've definitely made some poor decisions early on at doing those shows. Uh, yeah. You learn from experience for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you don't learn at all and you just keep making the same mistakes. You know, it's all good. Those, those shows, <laughs> you're supposed to have fun. You're paying money to do it and, you know. Right, right, yeah. Fuck it, have fun. <laughs> yeah, as long as you're keeping yourself in check, have as good of a time as you want. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I do want to get into your work and everything, but I was reading okay. the afterward to your uh, collection, Legendary uh, oh, Sorry, I was thank reading. you. I spent a lot of time on that, so. Okay, um, yeah, so I was reading the afterward there, and I want to start it off kind of hot. You crashed mm-hmm. Bjork's birthday party? 
Oh God. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Do you want to talk about this? <laughs> this was, um, this was old school Derek hipster New York days. Um, I used to, um, just my friends and I would, would go out all the time and we just ended up at this club. I can't remember the name, but it was like a, a like a big scene stir kind of place. It's now a Chinese restaurant called Mission Chinese. So whatever that place was. And so we were just there. And then all of a sudden, my friend was like, Bjork's having our birthday party. And we were wasted. We were just like, let's go. <laughs> and, you know, when you when you're, you have the liquid courage, you just do things. So I just like white, walked right up to her. And I was like, happy birthday. And she um, she looked at me and she just turned away. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes. you know what? Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> you know, but then, um, then me and my friend were walking down the stairs and or sorry, we were walking up the stairs and Bjork is walking down the stairs. And she she noticed my friend because my friend had a really great outfit and looked amazing. And Bjork was like, I love your outfit. And then my friend was like, got totally nervous and just told Bjork, dance. And then we ran. (laughs) 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 That was it. (laughs) Hell yeah, that rocks. So, you know, you do work with uh, your the comics I've seen. I've been buying your work since, I don't know, mid 2015 or so. Beginning. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. I was like, uh, it was like when I first started like getting into like indie comics, like, you know, Mm -hmm. like more underground stuff. And I actually uh, messaged, I bothered Michel Fife and I was like, hey, I was like, what else should I be reading right now? And he was like, you need to check out Ryan Cecil. You need to check out Derek Marks and Rich Tommaso. And Uh, he's the best. Yeah. So, you know, I bought comics from all three of you all and I've been buying your stuff ever since. But one thing that, you know, you were doing the series um, mm-hmm. that is now collected into Legendary Spirits, you know, Grace, Jerry, Jessica and me. And uh, it's about, you know, the three of them living in an apartment with you as their fourth roommate. And there's these little snippets and vignettes that make up the book that are uh, more humorous than not and also get pretty out there. Is this done? Is it, It's done now. Is that right? It's done. Yeah. I mean, it, it could go on forever. I mean, all their lives go on forever, which... You know, they're all pretty tumultuous people. So I could do more, of course. But um, I just feel like I need to concentrate on other things and kind of close the book. And I also feel like that third issue that I did was kind of a final. It had a finality to it because um, mm-hmm. it explains kind of just what it's like to be a fan in general, you know, kind of goes into that. So I feel like it was a good wrap up to the whole thing. But I I don't know. I mean, I could do more. I mean, it was only supposed to be a one off in the beginning. Anyway, I did that that first zine. And then the reason why I did more is because I got a really good response from it. And then people were then coming forward to me and telling me their stories about these women. And I and then Grace released her autobiography. And then I had read Jerry's autobiography. And I was like, Oh, I just I, I gotta do more. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, that that's why it went on more more than it did. But um, which you, you can kind of glean when you get the collection. It, it's not I guess it the third issue kind of ties it together, but I think um, in the beginning, um, I, I didn't really know what I was doing. And that was kind of the fun of it anyway. Now, um, besides this and Fabulous Topless Woman, you also um, do the, I don't know if, if you call that a zine or a collection, and uh, you'll draw the uh, old MTV interviews and yes. uh, musicians from that period. Well, do, you, do you call that like a zine? What do you call that? Yeah, it's a zine. Okay. I mean... Like I, the reason why I printed it on that yellow paper is because I did it in you know a moleskin sketchbook, so I wanted mm. it to, to kind of look like that too. And I use a really simple um, color scheme. I mean, it's just black, white, and red. You know. Yeah, yeah. So I think it has like a good a good look. But um, I mean, I've done 
the the aim was to do 120 of them you know obviously 120 minutes um but um i'm more than halfway through that but i've only done two of the zines and i just figure i would just do it as a collection when i'm finally done with it rather than than put out little zines here and there i feel like it's like cheating a little bit <laughs> yeah to, no, to, yeah definitely <laughs> but i mean you know it works and you got to get the material out there so yeah yeah i mean it's good to put them online you know and mm-hmm. and all that to celebrate those people you know keep myself going <laughs> in that respect but yeah it's a, it's an ongoing thing i've been doing since 2015 another thing i just did on a whim and just posted a bunch of them when i did them so but it's been fun for sure i mean it's you know we all kind of youtube these people anyway so it's you might as well draw them while you're doing it. Find your moments. Well, in all of your work that I've seen, you know, I haven't seen your work pre 2015. Um, mm-hmm. It's all rooted in pop culture. Um, I don't you know, I don't know how much of, uh, you know, in Legendary Spirits, how much of that's auto bio, you know, because mm-hmm. it gets pretty ridiculous sometimes um, in a good <laughs> way. You know, it just gets really funny and, you know, out yeah. there. But with your comic work, have you always incorporated pop culture into it or were you doing different no. stuff? Yeah, no, not at all. Actually, um. After I finished the third issue of Grace, Jerry, Jessica, me, and I was kind of done with that series, I went into hardcore kind of reflective mode. And basically from like 96 till about 2002, I was quite prolific then. And I would put out zines and just sell them at local stores. I was living in Albuquerque and Seattle at the time um, during that, that period. And um, all that stuff, none of it's really pop culture based. Although I will say that one of the main characters... Uh, in in those series, they're like a comics couple. So there's a lot of comics talk. They're they're just kind of boring comics where they talk about comics. <laughs> <laughs> um, but and it's like '90s comics, so it, it is a bit dated in that respect. But I still really like that stuff. But so it's essentially, it, yeah, sort of pop culture, but more in conversation, not necessarily Derek and putting himself in these with these pop culture figures they're they're just talking about it and living their lives it's part of the story i see so you've been making comics for a long time then oh yeah i started when i was i mean four years old my first uh, comic okay. was called a princess's adventure <laughs> um, yeah it was is largely due to my brother my, my older brother he um he was really into comics so they were just around and i learned how to read and pick them up and just started drawing and so that's been my whole life, pretty much. So you knew, you know, from, you know, a young age that you wanted to do comics or was it kind of yep. an on again, off again? Well, I, I, I did know. Yeah, for sure. Um, I got I got involved in other things like music and, and whatever. But um, comics has always been the thing I feel like I'm best at. And I don't know. I mean, you guys both do it, too. You, you just get that Zen moment with it. It's great when you're there. Yeah, definitely. So when did you start? putting the pieces together in the sense of, oh, I'm going to actually print these up and try to sell them or give them out. Were you doing that stuff since you started at such a young age? Did you start doing that in like high school? Was it, you know, yeah, after? I was in high school and I, you know, I was real shy about approaching people. So, you know, the first zine I did, um, which was about a lesbian couple, I just, I just like put them at stores. I didn't actually tell anyone. <laughs> I just like dropped them in the free bin. So that that's what I, that's, that's what I did. And then, you know, I, I released like, four more zines at that time. I gave them to friends and sort of did it the same way. And it wasn't until I moved to Albuquerque after I was out of high school, I was 18. Um, and I started doing a zine called Hit and Run, 
Um, and there was a there was a store called Wavy Brain there, and the guy Brad that ran it was really cool, and we'd always have conversations. And then I was, you know, then I came out to him that I was a comic artist, and he was like, I want to see your stuff, and he was really supportive. And then that first issue of that, he like put it in the store window and was uh, like selling it hardcore. It was like he was my agent or something. And so that I had like a little nice little run there in Albuquerque with it, but um. Yeah, that was kind of it. I don't know. The, the weird part about that time was I, was I was so shy as an artist. I, I was so, so critical of myself. There's so much more material that I finished and I just didn't put out there because I didn't think it was good enough. And I'm looking back on it now that I have distance from it. And I was like, it is good. I don't know why I didn't do it. Anyway, whatever. Missed opportunity. What can you do? I, I The lesson learned from that is like, don't second guess yourself too much. It's other people that are going to criticize you. You shouldn't criticize yourself too much. Now, did you pursue higher education and like arts or for anything else? I did. I went to, um, it, it was, it was a hard one battle. My parents didn't want me to do that. So they wanted me to go to, you know, computer science school. And I was like, mm, I want to be an artist. And they're like, well, you're on your own. And so then I did it. <laughs> um, so I went to FIT. Um, the first year was great. But then after that, I dropped out. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I did the second year and everything, but I, I found it didn't really work for me. And then also I had, um, I had like a job, like a career kind of starting. And then um, I just was like, I'm just going to go with this other career, you know, my, my day job that I still do now because it was really good. And yeah, anyway, so that, that, that basically became my, my, my day thing that I was doing. So you're, you know, it's interesting because you said that, you know, you chose the path of the career and you still make time for comics. So yeah, are you in the mindset of this is always going to be like for me, a part time thing until I'm done with my career? Or is it like, you know, a passion that you want to eventually put the career in the back seat and, you know, hopefully make a way with comics? You know, it's a good question because my career is a good one. I'm an agent for photographers and stylists and oh, they're all no. really cool people. Yeah, they're they're amazing. The company I work for is also really great. They take good care of me. They allow us to be remote. Our job's kind of remote anyway, so it makes sense. But there was a time when I was getting a lot of commissions and a lot of asks, you know, and I was sort of like, maybe I should just pursue this full time. So I, I was starting, I talked to my boss and he was like, you know, pursue what you're going to do, but don't give it up, give up art this job. I was like, you're right. Like, I, I like this job. So I, you know, I hired like a, another assistant to help me with all that. And so I was doing those kind of commissions and, and all those things. And I just found I didn't really like it. <laughs> I was like, I'd rather I like doing my own stuff. And then, you know, some commissions come in that are great. And of course, I'm going to do those, but I can make time for those if they have enough deadline with my job. And I, I sort of see my job is like, it's like, it's pretty fulfilling, because I'm helping like really established creatives with their careers and helping to advance that and helping moving them along. And like I said, they're great people. I've known them all a really long time. I just feel like I'm in a good place with that. And that to me is sort of the commissions that you would need as an artist mm -hmm, to, yeah. yeah, to, to actually keep yourself going. Cause your comics, like your, your indie com like my grace, Jerry, Jessica, like that's never going to make a lot of money. I love doing it. It's really fun. It can lead to these other things. But yeah, I don't know. I don't really want to do the commissions. I'd rather have my normal career. Although my, my career does kind of take over my life a lot of times. I mean, this week, especially, you know, I was telling you, Cam, I was like, I'm working like 12 hour days. Can't really go. <laughs> but, um, 
but you know, and the thing was too, I remember I was really like shy about that with my artists. I w- didn't tell them I did this. And as soon as I told them I did this, they were all into it. And like my clients, when I talked to them too, they're all really into it. And I didn't even know that. I was like, oh, that, of course, you're going to know I'm an artist too. And you're going to, that's going to make you even more happy to reach out to me about suggestions for, for jobs because you know I have taste because I am an artist myself. And plus, I can send you my comics. You see exactly what I do. It's, so it's it's actually like been better for my career in a way. But so I realize I'm in a really unique position, and I should just keep it going. Um, so I guess to answer your question, unless I got a really great deal <laughs> from somebody right. that was like, "Yeah, do whatever you want, and here's a ton of money," <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen. If that were to happen, sure. But I think the way things are now, I have a manageable career ish you know it kind of takes over but i figured out a way to do my comics and do my job and um yeah i don't know i'm pretty happy with it all yeah that's awesome i mean yeah, uh, works for you. yeah definitely don't let go of that job that's <laughs> yeah no <laughs> it's not worth it <laughs> yeah no, no i know that no trust me i well because I, I gave this like a test run when i was like 25 i quit my job because i had all these opportunities you know with illustration and everything so many of them fell through and and then it was just, it's just like such a crazy hustle to get it done. And you just have to suck up to a lot of people you don't like. And I, I just, I was like, no, F this. <laughs> if I have a nice career, like why give it up for, for pennies that I have to hustle for? Like, no. Right. Uh, so how long did it take for you to find that right balance between your, you know, your day job, your work life and your comics? I pretty much schedule myself really well. And that's also like a part of my job. Like we're just scheduling things all the time. It's all about keeping organized because it's crazy. And that's, that's what keeps it all in check. You, you give yourself a schedule. So like every day I make myself a schedule when I wake up and I'm like this hour I do this. And you know, you don't always follow it because life happens, but if you can kind of be in that, that same zone, you can get things done. For me, I find that the earlier you wake up, like no one's no one's bothering you then you yeah know? For sure. so yeah, yeah. that's yeah. why i if love waking up, up at, early for that reason yeah exactly <laughs> you have that sweet spot between like six and eight or something that you can do things so um yeah it's just it's just really planned out that's that's the only way i'm able to to balance it um and then uh you have to get into the mindset yeah just just keep it going like when i found out i was doing tcaf i was like oh shit i gotta finish fabulous office woman too i only had 10 pages at that point and so I was like, I have to do 10 more pages in two months. Um, and then I just put myself on this kind of rigid schedule, much to the mm. chagrin of my friends and my boyfriend. But I did it. <laughs> and I yeah. hit the deadline I needed to to get it to the printers in time. Um, so that that felt really good. I was like, oh, I was actually able to, to meet my own self-inflicted deadlines. <laughs> well, are you working on comics like on a regular basis then? Or is it kind of just like, okay, I've got a show coming up. I need to get something out. Yeah, I don't know. I'm more, I'm more like freeform about it. Like I knew I wanted to do another few fabulous office women. She's definitely ongoing. I don't really see an end to her because mm-hmm. she also, um, you know, since since I represent photographers and stylists and work in a lot of the fashion world, that kind of informs a lot of those stories. So that's where you get all of those funny funny bits. So so it's it is really it feeds my job feeds the comics in a way. I'm sorry, what what was the question? I kind of forgot. I went off on a Oh, just are you working like regularly or are you just like, oh, it's time to do a comic? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I kind of, so basically, so many of my comics are written already. 
So I have the next thing that I'm doing is Fabulous Sops Woman number three. And that is going to be one big, huge story. It's sort of like an annual. I thought, okay, Sick. I need to, I want, I want to challenge myself. I want to have a story that actually has a plot. <laughs> um, and so I came up with this whole crazy adventure for her. That's, that's, it's sort of more in the, the Grace Jerry Jessica outrageous insanity kind of fun, kind of comic. So I know I have that. Um, and then after that, I have another thing that's already written too. So I, I pretty much know what I'm going to do. It's just about finding the time to do it. So I'm going to start that basically, I think in the fall, I'm kind of taking the summer to do, you know, do personal things and I have to do some work trips and everything. Um, so hopefully that will be out next summer, um, if not next fall. Hell yeah. But yeah, usually I have an idea of what I want to do since um, I'm basically always catching up to myself. I have, you know, every everything's sort of written. I have so many drafts that are complete and I just want to be able to get to them. I mean, that's the one thing about having the career versus doing the comics all the time. You know, if I had just like one year to do all this, I, I, all the comics would be done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? put them out for the rest of your life. It's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but instead, yeah, instead you're just going to get drips and drabs for however many years it's going to take me to do it. <laughs> it kind of going back to what we were talking about with my old comics, mm -hmm. you know, I went I went through everything and I wanted to kind of collect them and just do a small print run of them. But then I realized there was like one major story I wasn't ready to write yet at that mm -hmm. time when I was a, when I was like a teenager or 21 or whenever it was. And so I sat down over the holidays this year and I finished it. And, and I was really happy with it. So I thought I would do, you know, kind of a, a volume of that once I'm done with The Fabulous Office Woman, put it out with um, all the old comics, the stuff that I felt too insecure to put out at the time. Mm -hmm. And then that final story, which ties it all together again. So I don't know, I'm being, I'm being really vague about what it's about. But <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's kind of the next thing that I want to do after that. And what's been on my mind as well. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I think I should probably post it to give people a primer instead of just being like, here it is, you know. <laughs> we mentioned posting to give a primer. So I feel like there's been a really big shift and a move into swipe comics. I'm even trying to figure out yeah. how I'm going to do it. Is that something you're interested in or are you a print purist because, you know, you do them, you know, here and there? I'm kind of a little bit of both. You know, a lot of those, the Fabulous Sopus Womans, the, the, they were, they are short comics that you can just swipe through. Yeah. The old stuff that I did, I mean, the problem with me doing that is, oh God, the way they're so dense, the comics, it's hard to break them up into mm -hmm. into a swipe that way. I did it with, I posted my first scene uh, like a couple years ago, the one, the, the one about the, the lesbian couple. But yeah, I don't know. I would, I would do a mix. But I do think if you're buying the print comic, just like as a customer, like I wouldn't want to buy something where it's already been purely online. I feel like right. I want something exclusive to that issue. And that's just a personal thing. That's kind of where I'm at on it, because like yeah. I would want to give you half the story and be like, oh, you got to buy it. But a lot of people are just conditioned to read it online and then they will buy the copy. Like, uh, you know, I don't know if you've heard, you know, Nate and Josh on the show, yeah. but um, they, you know, post everything online and then they still sell out of their <laughs> physical copies. So. Yeah, I think they do because they they probably have tapped into that that customer base that's really appreciative to both print and digital like, yes you know so i don't think i'm there yet i don't know yeah i maybe i would just post it online like who cares i mean it looks different online than it does in print it always looks yeah. better in print i think 
I think um, so too. Yeah. And it's just interesting. You know, I wrestle with, oh, am I going to do it or am I not going to do it? And I just think it's interesting because it's like something that's kind of taken over and a lot of people are starting yeah. to incorporate it into how they let the reader consume their work. So I'm just interested to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, you can always try it, you know, and if you find it doesn't work, then then you do what you want to do. I don't know. I, I Yeah, I, I don't know. For me, I, I just feel like do what you want to do and mm-hmm. see what sticks. <laughs> For sure. You mentioned having your next projects written and everything. Is your writing, are you like actually doing like a script or are you thumbnailing? What's your writing process look like? No, I kind of, I kind of, I think because um, I started with comics in my brain as a blueprint at such a young age. Mm-hmm. I just, when I draw, they're, they're kind of really scratchy, but I, um, I just, I draw them like actual comics while I'm doing them and they're, they're really quick, you know, but, um, that's how I think. So it, it's kind of great in that way. <laughs> like later I might, you know, it's sort of like a first pass. It comes out in a rush. And then later I kind of go back and, you know, give it more fleshing it out more, I guess, if that's a word. So are you drawing, like, let's say you're working on like a comic or a zine. You mentioned you had like 10 pages done and you were like, oh, let's do the other 10 pages because the show's coming up. Are you usually yeah. drawing everything like over X amount of months or years or do you usually like do it in like pockets of time where so it looks consistent because I don't notice any kind of inconsistency in it do you oh really I'm thank you because I mean you could tell that different stories have different things going on but like I've never seen like a I guess like a single story where I'm like oh this looks like it was drawn at different times you know once it's you know beginning middle and end it always looks kind of it flows as like I'm glad you brought that up because I I um when I, when I put those out, I was like, to me, it looks so different because I feel like I've, I've gotten a lot more polished. And that's due to, um, I switched to digital recently. Mm-hmm. And I would rather shoot, you know, sorry, not shoot, um, draw everything by hand. But when you have to scan everything in and clean it up, it just takes so much time. And, you know, as I mentioned, I have this whole other life. So it takes, it eliminates all that time. So I'm able to kind of power, power through it with digital. My worry was, though, that it would not look as consistent i think the key to that though was i made the jitter on it i get my line is still a little bit shaky (laughs) in digital Mm -hmm. and i did it on purpose so it's not completely perfect so so it does maintain some of the consistency but um yeah no I'm, i'm that's a really nice compliment thank you cam if you didn't have to worry about the time needed in order to scan and clean up your images would you still strictly just work on paper i would yeah I think so. Because then you have an original that you can give somebody. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was, that was the thing. Like, uh, I, I got a request recently for that. And I was like, oh, fuck, I don't really have that many <laughs> recent originals. Because everything is digital, you know. Are you drawing on a tablet or are you using yeah. like, okay. No. Are you on an much. iPad or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I use my iPad to draw. But I kind of, I set it up so it's really just for drawing. I don't let myself get on the internet with it or anything so it's it's purely mm. just for that but it, it makes it nice i can travel with it like right now i have to do a commission for a magazine this weekend i'm like oh i just bring my pad like it's before i would have to bring my whole crazy setup you know and yeah 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 it makes it a lot easier to do things on the go for sure so uh, i wanted to talk about uh influences mm. you know i feel like they're you're pulling a lot from them you know, some established small press people and also people outside of comics. Uh, so let's talk about that. What are your biggest influences, not just for drawing, but also, you know, your layouts, your pacing, your storytelling, that kind of thing? I guess off the top of my head, I would say Jaime Hernandez would be yeah. like kind of number one. Although 
Kaime came in late for me. I didn't discover Love and Rockets until I was like 17 or 18. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. But before that, when I was a kid, you know, John Burns run on X-Men, the whole Dark Phoenix saga, that was hugely yeah. influential to me. Weirdly, it is for a lot of other gay people, I think, because it's got like high <laughs> camp or something. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, it's, and it's kind of like a soap opera. Sure, yeah. But yeah, so I was really into that. Um, and then, you know, my gateway drug into indie comics was the Sandman comics, because I feel like that was sort of in between superhero and indie. And so that was, that was a big comic for up. me for similar reasons. Right? It's like pot. It's like the, the bridge. Part. Yeah, it's the yeah. bridge between them. <laughs> so I was really into that. And like, that was pretty influential on little 13-year-old Derek. And then... um you know, in that time in the 90s, there weren't that many indie comics. So the ones that were the ones that had the biggest effect on me were Rochester Brown's Yummy for Eight Ball by Dan Close, which is, you know, still remained a juggernaut. Um, Hate by Peter Bag and uh, Dirty Plot by Julie Duchet. Those were kind of my, my four biggies that I used to be really influenced by and fantasize about having their lives. But then I was like, oh, no, actually, I don't want that life <laughs> I became an adult. Um, so, oh, and Maurice, Maurice Fellow Coop's comics. They were so relatable because he was like this, this fabulous gay illustrator comics artist, you know, and that was that seemed the closest to what I could actually be. Yeah, I love their stuff that was in the Drawn and Quarterly. I'm, that's all I've ever seen is the Drawn and Quarterly anthology stuff. But oh, yeah, you should pick up his if you can find it. It's called Vision, and it's like a it's a collection of of all his comics. OK, um, and he's coming out with a, an autobiography. Um, I think he's he's he told me it was next year. I met him at TCAP, which was like such a wonderful experience because I loved his work for so long. And yeah, he, he kind of, he told me that, you know, hopefully that'll be done. That's awesome. Is it going to be a comic or an actual like written? Yeah. Auto? Okay. yeah like, no, no, no. I like a comic, okay. but you awesome. know, like yeah. a proper graphic novel. But yeah. His, his style's unparalleled. I mean, he, he's so great. I remember too, in, in the nineties, it was sort of like, I, I had his comics and then suddenly I was seeing his illustrations in Vogue and, you know, I was just like, go Maurice. That was that it made my heart swell. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, where are you actually from? Because you kind of bounce around. Where Where were you growing up at? Yeah. Well, I was born in Miami. Okay. Um, and that's where um, I spent my formative years. Damn. Um, Shout out three hundred five. Uh, yeah. Oh, look at you. 305. Yeah. Um, Mike, Michael <laughs> Fife is from there too. And we're the same age and we never knew each other. That's funny. <laughs> then, um, but um, yeah, so I was there until I was 16. And then my, my parents divorced when I was really young. So I had the option. My dad was moving to North Carolina in the mountains in the middle of nowhere. And my dad was like, do you want to live with me? So I was like, sure. So I, I went and lived with him and finished high school there. But then, you know, as I was finishing high school, I was like, wait, I'm gay. I can't be gay here. <laughs> um, <laughs> One of the worst places to probably. So, <laughs> you can do well, worse, there's like but two yeah. other gay people. Yeah. There's two other gay people. And if you're not into them, then you're, you're screwed. And I was like, yeah, I'm not into the other two other gay people here. <laughs> um, so, so then um, my sister um, lived in Albuquerque at the time. So I moved in with her. And Albuquerque was great because that was the first time it was, I was right out of high school and I didn't really know that many other people that were into like alternative music or, or any of the weird stuff I was into. And suddenly Albuquerque, that was the norm. So I was like popular there. And so I was like going around to parties and I, I had a social life. So that was like a really amazing thing. Um, but then that, that sort of 
ended with my first boyfriend and I breaking up and I was like, I need to get out. So I moved to Seattle for a minute. Seattle mm, wasn't really for me. Then I had an opportunity to move to New York in 2001 and I just took it. I was like, fuck it, I'm going to try it, you know, so. Was this pre or post 9-11? Well, it's it's kind of weird because I I came, I got a job in the summer um, in New York and I left on September 2nd, 2001. Oh, wow. To go back to Seattle. Mm. And then September 11th happened. And the guy that I met there that we had this like crazy romance with was like, I'm scared. I want to move to Seattle. So he moved with me to Seattle. And then we were like, Seattle kind of sucks. And let's go back to New York. So we went back to New York again in 2002. Okay. At the end of 2002. And then I didn't leave until 2020. And what made you want to leave if you don't, if that's not too personal of a question? Um, well, we were kind of thinking about it for a while, my boyfriend and I. I mean, we've been together for nine years. So we were like wanting to buy something, which is, you know, ha ha in New York. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're not yeah. a billionaire. <laughs> so we were trying, you know, and like, like going to like the outskirts of Queens, trying to buy a place. And we couldn't even get that. Like we would get, beaten by like the the person that beat us for the place that we tried to buy was like a chinese overlord that paid cash so we we're like okay we're just fucked we can't actually get a place here so you know we were thinking about other options and then COVID happened and you know we lived in a tiny apartment with thin walls and everyone was in there so i was like this is making me insane like i can't deal with this and that that's when John was like, oh, we can we can go out to the house in Michigan, the one that I'm talking to you from right now, like his family kind of shared house. And um, so we just camped out there for COVID. And I loved it. I mean, I kind of like isolation like that. I mean, I, I'm sure you guys can relate to as as comic artists, you just hunker down. Yeah, second nature. Yeah, yeah, kind of <laughs> right. Like, and then but then it's like, it's like isolation. But then I have all this beauty around me, we're on a lake. And you know, there's like a forest you can walk in. I'm like, I'm all into that. There's that kind of like crunchy hippie bitch in me that, that gets into it. <laughs> Um, so we found it really liked it. And then my, my office, this was like, you know, deciding what they wanted to do, you know, about it. And, you know, once, once business started kind of happening again, we're also working remotely. And so it all kind of organically happened in that way. Like they decided to close the office and we all went remote anyway. And that's why I was like, I just asked all my artists, I'm like, do you care if I move to Michigan? They're like, no, I just talked to you on the phone anyway. Just come visit me sometimes. So that's kind of that's kind of how that how that happened. And then plus, um, my my partner's family is all here. So my family's like scattered all over the U.S. But um, mm. well, and abroad. Like so, there's no like central place I could live to be near my family. But for him, his family is all here. So mm. I was like, let's do it. I mean, I love his family. I, you know, it's we've been together forever. So that's what we did. And you know, you can actually afford to live here as opposed to New York. So living at all those different places, did you ever, you know, connect with the comic scene or have you always just kind of been a drifter who just did your own thing? Oh, God, drifter. I don't know. I don't know if I well, drifter sounds bad, but what I mean is like, sounds you know, real grimy. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. I mean is like, you know, you move from like, city yeah, to city. Now, you know. I'm a drifter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. No, I, I, I do feel like I was always a bit on the periphery, but I always uh-huh. had kind of like a touchstone person that I was friends with. And, you know, that person for me is always Michael Fifang. So, you know, we've we've been good friends since like 2005 or something. Hang on. Is it Michael? Is that how you pronounce that? Yeah. I mean, you can pronounce it either way. Okay. Cause... Some asshole told me I always said Michael and then some asshole said it's Michelle. And I was like, Fuck, it was okay. me. I told you that. He doesn't care. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he does not care. I call him Fifang. I don't even call him Michael. 
But anyway. Yeah. No, I've asked him point blank about that. Because I was oh, just like, have? please just give me an answer. What do you think? He would not give me an answer. <laughs> he was just like, you tell him, you can Michelle. Oh, Michael. he likes the mystery. He yeah, does. he really yeah, does. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so yeah, I guess to answer your question, I mean, I, I do have friends in comics, you know. I mean, when I went to Toronto, I hung out with Eric Kostik Williams. You know, he's great. He's a great Icarus guy, I just met. We got along great. I'm trying to think who else. Max Witter, he's a good friend of mine. Well, I mean, we haven't talked in a while, but anyway, you saying out more. But he, I, he's not, he's more, he's not really as active in comics anymore. I'm trying to think who else. I don't know. I mean, I'd like to have more, more friends and everything in it, but. Overrated. It, really? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, when I talk to cartoonists, we relate so much about our ways of life. Yeah. You know, because yeah. it, it's, it's odd to explain it to somebody that's normal. Mm-hmm. They're like, why won't you come yeah. out? And I'm like, cause I need to draw a comic about a naked woman. <laughs> yeah. No, you've, you've explained the, the show basically. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like people, people being as isolated as they are, even before COVID, uh, you know, they need some sort of network of people they can relate to. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. And and that, that was what was so wonderful about TCAF. I mean, I don't know, I just met a lot of other cartoonists and I just felt like all, all of us kind of connected, you know, mm-hmm. there's definitely like a com- community vibe there. Nothing about that, like NFT person, whatever. <laughs> right. Who's uh, just as a as a, you know put a little bow on that? They've completely ghosted <laughs> <Yeah>. all their followers. <laughs> their Discord what do you people. mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And all their investors, <laughs> they're just not communicating with them anymore. Wow. They're just abandoning so, the projects. Yeah, like yeah, they they just abandoned all the projects and uh, are closing down the pink cat thing. This is all like they've just went like completely silent and like uh, all of their like investors in the Discord are like uh, the mods left, pink cat left. Yeah, oh my <laughs> the, god! So yeah. I didn't realize yeah. it was like a whole thing. Yeah, well, you know, it's a pyramid. Yeah, yeah. And what uh, happened? Pink cat was at the yeah, top, right? And- <laughs> what happened was ex- as expected for a pyramid scheme. Oh God, that thing was so weird. I remember because I remember when that for I saw TCAF had that announcement and I was like swiping and seeing the people and I paused on that person and I was like, that's like a bad drawing. And I just swiped <laughs> and then it was my birthday. So I just like, I just shut off, you know, and did my birthday thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. like two days later, there was like all this drama suddenly. And I was like, oh, I have to check out this person. And I looked at it and I was like, this is bad. And I was like, what? It's not even good NFTs. I was like, yeah, someone. Oh. Yeah, no artistic merit to it. Someone yeah. on Twitter posted a bunch of screen grabs from the Discord after she like ghosted everyone, and mm-hmm. it's it's people like the like the cognitive dissonance of people trying to reconcile the fact that they got duped into a pyramid scheme, and you now know, it's like I'm very really clear. interested in that. This it's might so this might be this might be make a good comic actually yes, to talk about yeah. this insanity <laughs> with with all that because. I don't, I'm more interested in the person that buys into it than I am into the per like the person that did it, you know? Right. Right. Like what is behind that psychology? Cause I wouldn't, I, I just saw it and I was like, this is ugly. Like ugh, swipe. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of these things are not like the other. I enjoy it because it's funny. You know, like, yeah, yeah. This, at this yeah. point, I get amusement out of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, at this point in the world, like in our timeline, it's just as long as it's funny, whatever. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I still don't really get NFTs and I don't get their place in comics. Like, I just I just don't understand. Like, they, they, they should yeah. exist. There, there isn't a place for them in comics, but the people who make them and manage them 
have shoehorned them into corners of comics using this whole mm-hmm. like pitch of, oh, you know, like we support artists and, you know, we are for artists getting paid money and, and making money off of their work of and yada, yada, yada. But it's still like, I don't know. It, it's so weird. I don't, I, I just no, don't. It's, 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 I don't, it's I don't get it. It's just the episode. It's just the Simpsons episode of the monorail. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I, I work with, uh, you know, I deal with, with photography and a lot of usages and stuff like that. And so I remember when that was happening, I was like, I was like, wait, I my whole business is like usage and making sure that people can only use an image for a certain amount of time. They never own it, you know, and if they want to own it, they have to pay a lot of money, you know, and right. so people usually don't. So the, the concept of the NFT it's so it's it's just weird to me. I don't know. It's it's also um it's not tangible. I don't know. I feel like if I'm gonna own something, I want to tan- I want to touch <laughs> you it. Think, you know, <laughs> if you think too deeply about it, it you, it's just it just falls apart like immediately. Yeah. So <laughs> well, that's yeah, like the whole. It, it, no, because yeah. you're right. It can literally fall apart because someone else is controlling what we have digitally. You know, it's not up right. to us. Yeah. But if you do have that physical object, then it does have value to me. So that that's what I can't wrap my head around with it. It's, you know? You're not supposed to is the thing. You're not supposed <laughs> to wrap your head around because the moment you do, it's just transparently a scam. I know. There's so many other better <laughs> things we could be thinking about. I mean, really. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, no one really talked about that. I mean, there, there was something, there was like one person that like brought it up in passing that someone was like mad about it or something. But, you know, I think everyone was just like happy to see each other and, you know, be, be in a place again with other cartoonists that it was, it was sort of like a celebrate celebration in a way there. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd never experienced that at any other con I've, I've done. So, and I've, I've had some good moments and, you know, I've had some really bad, dark moments at cons too. <laughs> for sure. Oh, let's get into that. Fuck. Oh, yeah. What are we doing talking about fucking NFTs for? <laughs> bad, dark con <laughs> moments. Yeah. <laughs> well, I started doing them, I'd say in 2014. And that, that was like 2014, 2015 was when I was really like, I'm going to get myself out there and do everything that comes my way. So, um, mm. I'd say um, the Zine Fest were usually pretty good for me. Those always went well. I did the one in New Orleans, no cows. And that was cheap for me because I had a friend that lived there and I could stay with her. So I really just had to pay for a flight. And it was like a, this wild success. So I felt like it was really good for me, you know. And then right after that, I did Mocha. And it was like, that was the worst con i think i've still ever done <laughs> really okay oh, really? Tell, tell us about that tell us well about i think that. mocha i mean i think it's changed you know um i i think it's different mm-hmm. now but when i did it in 2015 so i had this um six foot table and i had three feet of it and dumbly i you know i was i invited my friend to do it who i love you know she she would table with me a lot she's an illustrator named Haley blatt she's amazing she does this um this scene called her suit heroines that's all like kind of like Varga girls, but they're all like hairy ladies. And she draws the hair like so detailed and beautiful. Anyway, so she has like a unique thing going on. She's also like gorgeous and has this striking presence. So she's always, her and I doing shows together is always fun. Um, so it was just us two at three feet. And then like the um, the people next to us, they, had, they brought three people for their three feet. <laughs> so we were all crammed together and then everybody that was like on our same row had the same idea so it was sort of like you had no space at all and then everyone that was walking by was just sort of scanning you we're in like a bad spot so we sold like i i think i did my worst sales ever of any show i've done can't even tell you and there was just so much like 
uh, it was just it was just drama like moving around and and everything i mean eventually like the other people we were tailing with like we got along you know but i think they were annoyed and we were annoyed at the time and i also think that the mocha fest you have to pay to get in and i do think that discourages people from buying things if it was just free i think people would would feel better about picking up comics well, and it's always interesting because I don't know if Mocha's set up like this, but why is it that the shows that have like ticketed entry have like the most expensive table fees? Oh yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember how much how much Mocha costs, but it, you know, Haley and I split it, so I, I don't think it was that bad. And I'm local to New York, so it was like I probably lost like seventy five right. bucks or something. I, I can't remember how much it cost, but it, it wasn't that bad. But um, but yeah, yeah, I do remember. And I remember when I got into Mocha, I'd been going to Mocha for so long. I was I was so proud of myself that they actually accepted me, you know. So I I had had kind of expectations like, oh, I'm here, I can finally, you know, be part of this thing that I that I've always wanted to be part of. But yeah, after I did, I was like, I'm not doing that show ever again. <laughs> um, but you know, other one, other ones have been better um, for sure. I think I think that was that was the one that was worse, and I do think that one has gotten better. And I need to give it another chance. That was seven years ago, so I don't want to like trash talk something that that where they figured out that issue. You know, I uh, you know mm-hmm. to be fair, I've I've never really heard anything resoundingly positive about Mocha. Oh, so yeah. I'm not I alone. <laughs> yeah, no, you're definitely not alone in that. Yeah, um, trying to think. Um, the only other one that I did that was I wouldn't even classify it as bad. I did Heroes Con, mm-hmm. and I'm so not right for that show. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that, <laughs> no. is, that is not your scene. <laughs> I'm not, but you know, the it's kind of a good litmus test, and it's it's always good to do kind of stuff like that when you're a fish out of water because yeah. those, those people will walk by that are just like, wait, you have like weird grace jones comics you have yeah what, what, yeah. what? like and yeah. then they, they would like get yeah. into it and so it was either people were like totally like weird cosplayers that would diss me and i'm like you're wearing an ill-fitting superman costume you no, you can't yeah. just no 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 <laughs> you have no room or, to like, talk exactly or like um or i'd find these like you know adults that are not necessarily looking for that but then they'd, they'd see my comments and they so it was either like they'd insult me or they'd buy everything mm, so it, it, okay. heroes was interesting in that in that respect so it wasn't like a total loss either because um, my dad lives in North Carolina. So it was, you know, easy for me to do it. But yeah. it was, um, you know, I, I th- that was kind of my, um, that was kind of my lesson. Okay, I don't need to do like big major comic cons. <laughs> I'm not the audience. There is definitely like a, a minority of that crowd, though, that goes every year. That yeah. would be 100% into your work. And clearly, That's if true. they're buying everything, yeah. then yeah. That but is it's, true. It's not their main demo, though. That's, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, and I'll tell you one more bad story. Because um, yeah. this is the last one that was bad. And this is a really surprising one. That okay. was bad. I bombed right. at DragCon. What? Oh, I know. I've never heard of that. Where's that show at? Well, it's RuPaul's DragCon. And so it's okay. in LA. Me and it was through my friend Haley. She got us in. And um, we were like, yeah, they're going to buy all our shit. They're going to totally be into my Grace Jones comics and Dibosoft's Women and Pursuit Heroines and, you know, all that stuff. And um, nope, no one likes to read. <laughs> That's you know, what we found out there. <laughs> yeah, once, yeah, I guess if you reframe it in that, it is a show. It's like, it's a convention explicitly yeah. for a drag reality show. And merch, like they and want, mer- they want yeah. things they can wear. They right. want, um, yeah, they they want stuff like that. They don't, they're not like, I'm gonna read a comic. Wow. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Mm. Comics yeah, are so, so low tier to begin with. So when you introduce it in that <laughs> setting, it's like, yeah, okay. 
I know, and I'm I'm so disappointed. They're still low tier. I mean, I I thought we were gonna, I thought we were past that at this point. You know, no, it's just straight you, you down, baby. You always get baby. that like, I yeah. Know. You always get that like whiff of hope. You're like, yeah, this is it's gonna happen finally. But it's pretty cynical. <laughs> like it always yeah. looks so promising. Yeah. I know. Like, Sisyphus gets the rock to the top of the hill, then it just falls. Oh, yeah, well, it's like it's how do we convince yeah. to the normal public that you know comics are legitimate, and it, it's it takes so much work to do them, and they're so well thought out. And, you know, I mean, I really kind of think it's the ultimate, you know, but um, yeah, the other people aren't convinced, you know, like I look at a paint and painting and I'm like, great, but I did this comic in the same time. <laughs> a little fucking story. Yeah, no, it's a it's a less cooler Sisyphus type of situation, basically. Yeah, you know, and kind all of us are just constantly rolling this massive rock up a hill and, and it, it's just meaningless. Well, it's like we all kind of want to. I don't know. I mean, to me, it's sort of like, I, I think the the thing that I try to do with comics is um, I try to at least make a few things within each of my comics that would only happen in comics, mm-hmm. you know, um, which is, it's hard to do, but it's something, you know, it's something with like the dynamic of the page and trying to make that yeah. all work in a certain way. And that to me is really beautiful. But also in another respect, comics in a way, it's sort of the only way that we can make a little movie you know, and not have to hire anyone else to do it. So we're like making the movie, drawing it all out. It's all about us. It's this total like a tour thing. I don't know. I love it. I'm addicted to it. I've been for so long. I don't think I could ever give it up. Incurable. (laughs) It's incurable. I mean, you know, and there's all these, you know, when you hear like successful artists talk about like, I would do this if I wasn't successful. I'm always like, mm, but really, would you? Like, I'm actually going nah, Yeah, no, it's grass <laughs> yeah. is always greener. I've definitely heard that from so many like high paid illustrators who are like, I right. really want to get into comics, man. Like, how do I do it? And it's just like, well, you can uh, be poor. That's, you that's can pretty just much do a it. good introduction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could just do it. Right. Yeah. We say that all the time. It's like, what advice do you have? Do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking do it. That's all. Yeah. No one's, yeah. It's not going like, to do itself, you know? No, exactly. No. I mean, don't be afraid to be like everyone, you know, there's that whatever, that like meme or something like no one. And then someone puts like whatever the thing. I mean, that's like my whole everything. Like no one asked me <laughs> ever to do anything. I just, I'm like, fucking here you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to be bold. Uh, all right. So we have some questions from our listeners that we want to get into. Uh, was there anything you wanted to cover before we uh, get into listener questions? Not that I can think of. Okay. We can circle back. Hell yeah. Okay. Uh, You can do the whole spiel or you got it. uh, You know what? Cam is the master of the Q&A spiel. I can only do the opening spiel. So (laughs) yeah, have at it, Cam. Um, if you want to participate with our show or with the guest, uh, just follow us online at Gutter Boys Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We put up little questionnaires and you can send in questions. So yeah, let's go ahead and get straight into it. Uh, first question came from previous guest, friend of the show, and expected question came from Nate Garcia's cartoons. Derek, what did you have for breakfast today? Be honest. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, honestly, I had a fabulous breakfast. It was well, yogurt, yogurt uh-huh. with um, crushed almonds, Ooh. raspberries, and honey. Okay. Oh, look at you. Look at you. Oh, Fancy. no, I love breakfast. Breakfast. I, I, <laughs> no, no, seriously. I like go all out for breakfast. The other day we had like a avocado toast with bacon. Um, mm. Yeah, it's, it's the best time. <laughs> I like breakfast food, but I never eat at breakfast. Oh, really? Mm. Well, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I just you come it. and go with it. I mean, sometimes I eat breakfast for dinner, you know, yeah. chicken and eggs for dinner. Oh, yeah, that's, good. that's the move. Yeah. Oh, totally. So good. Yeah, great cuisine. <laughs> 
Uh, right. We have past guest, friend of the show, Greg and Fake, asking, uh, where do you get your ideas? We kind of touched a little bit about that, but uh, is there anything the that you want to do? The worst question, Greg or Fake. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, he just, he's, he, he just got off of Heroes. You know, give him a break. Yeah, yeah it's true. I mean, we're, I mean, it's sa- same as everybody. I mean, the, the ideas come from all over the place. You know, yeah. Grace Jerry Jessica was because I Googled Grace Jones after going to her show and <laughs> saw they were roommates. And I was like, no one's written about this. I was like, I, I, I got to fucking do it. And then five of woman came because I saw this lady on the beach. But I was like, who is this crazy lady that's topless and like being fucking fabulous? I want to be her. <laughs> so that's where that came from. And then the other, yeah, I guess the other stuff comes from life. And then the other stuff's like random. You know, I mean, it's really... It's all those things. Yeah, definitely. There's, yeah. All right. Uh, next question we already covered, but B.A. Chamness said, uh, do you have a slash what's your day job? So we mm. already covered that. Talk so I'll go, ahead and get yeah. Into, yeah, I'll go ahead and get into the last question, which uh, compliments me. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Scott J.H.P.D.X. Uh, wrote in, Cam, your music picks and your stories are three flame emojis. What's everyone else listening to? I mean, Cam, I saw that you recently bought all the pj harvey stuff and my heart like exploded i was like yeah that, that shit rocks oh man early pj harvey is uh-huh. my shit did you get four track demos too i haven't checked any of those out like i see <sighs> them at the demos, shop get it it's so good yeah because I, I figured they'd be like raw and you know worth checking out they but i don't know if it was like worth buying it's, or... that's actually my favorite because she recorded them in her bathroom and you can tell like the excitement of her discovering those songs but yeah that that early period of pj harvey is my favorite um, I guess, you know, of, oh, sorry, go. <laughs> no, what sent me down my uh, recent PJ Harvey, like, uh, you know, I, I'd listened to them in the past, like in college, but it'd been a while. And then I was <laughs> watching Batman Forever and listening to the soundtrack. Oh, and there was a PJ Harvey song on it. And I was like, oh, I'm back in. <laughs> uh, that song is so hot. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good one. Um, that's like, I, that's like my favorite PJ Harvey when she's just like rocking and like, Rah. I don't know. It's it just it, it, I feel it in my stomach. It's so good. Yeah, well, a lot of your uh, work, you know, with the 120 minutes thing you're doing, it's a bunch of music related stuff. Oh, so yeah. Are you only picking the artists that you're into or are you just no, picking some? That, no, no, a lot okay. of, yeah, some, it's a mix. It's some that I'm into and some that I'll, maybe I'm not into their music, but they'll say something interesting. Mm-hmm. So, so I'll, I'll put that in there. Um, it's all kind of random. I don't, I don't try to think about it too much. I just like, does this spark my interest? And then I write it down and, and draw the portrait. Okay kind of thing but yeah uh, what else are you listening to i kind of went off on the pj harvey world for a minute well i'm i'm not i'm not supposed to answer this they asked what you all are oh me oh yeah we already know he has good taste so that's what we need to expand we know actually scott gave us uh This is so vain. I was like cracking up. I was looking at our reviews yesterday, just yeah. seeing if we had any new ones. And Scott gave us a four star review, not five, four star review. Four, really? <laughs> and and it's but it was it was fair. It was like interviews are always great. News segment isn't actually news. Rather, sometimes just two guys complaining. Hell yeah! <laughs> yeah, but that's like the beauty of it. Come on, Scott. no, it was an honest review. So yeah. Scott, shout out to you for. <laughs> but bump up that review to five. Come on, Scott, you're on the list. Seriously. Well, JB, you go first with the music then. No, no, you're the guest. You're the guest. Guest goes Mm. first. Okay, I will say, um, I think the album that I've been coming back most to this year that's recent um, would be Sharon Vinetton's new album. Okay. I think it's great. I love her. She's another person whose voice I feel in my stomach. So I just have a reaction to her. 
You, Sharon Bennett? Uh, Sharon Van Etten. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Her, her, pick up her new album, but her la- basically her last three have all been great. Like, perfect. So definitely recommend those for sure. Um, and then, you know, I'm excited about Sky Ferrer coming back. <laughs> I like her new single. I hope she doesn't disappear again. <laughs> um, but she she's a good diva for me, for sure. You don't have to go too, super into it, but what kind of music do you make? Me? Oh, oh, yeah, oh, my, yeah. oh my music? Oh, yeah, shit. yeah. Damn, you remembered that. I thought I was good. I thought I just like brought that up as an aside and you're going to forget about it. You're good. Cam. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> I make synth pop. Um, I don't share it. So mm. I basically, when I'm in between comics, like I know I have two months now in between, like I have to travel for work, blah, 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 blah. Now's the time where I can kind of do it. I'm, I'm a creative, like creatively restless person. So I always need to be working on something. So music's always been a thing for me. So yeah, I mean, right now I'm, God, I demoed a bunch of songs when I was in college. There's like a hundred or something from like, wow, okay. from like 2005 to like, 2012 or something and so i was picking out those old ones and i was like these have a good skeleton but i didn't know how to make them more you know make them better i guess so um that's kind of what i'm doing right now i picked five and i'm just kind of working on those now and i might put them out i might not i don't know we'll see <laughs> but um okay but there have they're... you ever put anything out uh music wise no okay I ha- well no i'm trying to think I yes, I was part of a band. Yeah, then it was out, but it was kind of like a secret. Um, so I can't tell you what it is, but it was carried at a certain very important museum. <laughs> oh. um, and it was part of like a it was a capsule that you could buy. And there was only there was a thousand that were made. And I never saw a penny of it because there was like a falling out with with all that. But um, that's the only place. But that was that was actually an interesting project because I did comics for it too. So you bought this capsule and you opened it up and this this is before like, I mean, this was like 2008. So it was before that was like a thing, Mm -hmm. but um, you opened it up and had an interface where I'd drawn everything and there was a comic and artwork for every song and, and the whole thing. So that, and then I, I, did most of the music for it so that's the only recorded thing but it's not a it's not an actual record or tape or cd it's a capsule Mm. (laughs) do you would you ever plan on re-releasing it no i don't have power over that Ah, okay i don't don't hold the yeah i don't i don't hold all that gotcha i the only thing i would do is you know these five songs that i'm working on right now I'm really enjoying it because i'm beefing out you know these anemic demos i did a long time ago Mm -hmm. yeah I might release them. I might not. I don't know. But like, I don't know. Like I looked up releasing your own music and there's just such a process. Like you have to open your own company and register. I don't know. Hmm. It, it, I'm, I'm talking about it now, but I might just be like, oh, fuck it. I'm not going to put any of it out. I'll just send it to my three friends. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really for fun to get my rocks off. It reignites me. You know, when, you, when you're when you doing comics on comics, it's good to have a different creative wavelength mm-hmm. to get yeah. into. Because yeah. music really is like, it's just a different mindset, you know, than, than um, working on something so visual. I mean, it's the opposite of visual in a way. Yeah. So that's why I enjoy it. It gives me a break and then strengthens me when I go back into the comics. Hell yeah. Well, JB, uh, what are you listening to? I go through waves of like getting really into new music and then just listening to the same shit over and over and over again. Yeah. 
Same. Oh, same. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. That's why I only I brought up like the one album I keep going back to this year because <laughs> I am normally just listening to old shit. Yeah, it's uh, it just depends on where I'm at, I guess. But lately, uh, well, listeners know I constantly talk about Low Life uh, from Sydney. Mm. Yeah, the band rocks. Yeah, yeah, good band, good band. Actually, there's a lot of um, Australian bands that I've been getting into. Uh, Prison Affair is really good. Uh, I'm trying to think now. Um, Kylie Minogue. Kylie, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Love Kylie. <laughs> Actually, a friend of the show, uh, Sam, he's based out of Sydney. Uh, he sent me over nice. uh, like a sampler of a bunch of different Australian post-punk garage bands that are kind of making the rounds now. And they're, I don't know what's going on in Australia, but there's like a new wave. Oh, you mean like like 80s bands or in 60s? Oh, no, like contemporary, or... like new bands that have oh, been, yeah, bands have been coming out in the last five or 10 years, maybe even less. Oh, that sounds cool. And all of it's really, huh. really good. Uh, so if if you're oh. if you're into post punk, yeah, that band Low Life is really it, good. Tell me, I want to yeah, know. If, if you're yeah. really into post punk, if you're really into garage punk, if you're into any of that stuff, synth punk, love all that stuff. Yeah, yeah go check sure. them out. You might mm-hmm. like Prison Affair. I don't know. They're a little. It's it's heavily synth, very very bare oh, well, bones, I'm synth. Yeah. bizarre. <laughs> uh, it, but I, I really dig it. That's a cool name. Yeah. Well, they have great music videos too. They're like. Uh, puppets. There's one music video they made with puppets, and it's just like all over the place. It's very bizarre. Um, yeah, hmm. it rocks. Uh, yeah, shout out to Sam. Anyway, a lot of stuff that I revisit, like Hissing. I know they just released a new single. Uh, they're like a black metal. Amer- I think they're based out of America. I'm pretty sure they are. I should probably know nice. that. Uh, yeah, and then King Woman. I always return to. Um, I think they're based out of Oakland. A uh, very good band. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, um, just kind of all over the place as usual. Just kind of going through, uh, random shit that I've come across or stuff that I, you know, always replay. Well, all over the place is real. That's how we all are. You know, I mean, I remember like growing up, everyone was like, you're a poser if you listen to like punk and then Madonna. I was like, you're actually not. Like, fuck you. (laughs) You're you're actually the poser. You're (laughs) posing as somebody that's only into one thing. Yeah, that's weird. No one's (laughs) like that. Yeah, that is weird. I think that's weird. Yeah, yeah. Alrighty. Well, before we get out of here, uh, Derek, where can people, you know, find your stuff, buy your books? Are you sold out of everything from TCAF? Do you still have stuff in your store? Uh, yeah, I still have some stuff. I sold out of the Fabulous Sabbath Woman number two. Um, I'd say the lowest quantities that are available in my store are now um, Fabulous Sabbath Woman number one and Nights and Weekends. Those are almost gone. Um, but you can find me on Instagram at Derek G. Marks. Um, my website is also Derek. Oh, it's actually just DerekMarks.net. And then I'm on Twitter, but I'm like, I'm like Twitter shy. I don't really post that much. <laughs> um, and that, that's pretty much it for me. Hell yeah. Well, we want to thank you so much for uh, coming on. Uh, it's great to talk to you. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you, Derek. Uh, you're now my new favorite crunchy hippie bitch. I'm a crunchy hippie bitch. <laughs> like, that's part of me. I'm a Gemini. There's like so many of us, really. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, that, well, yeah, that'll do it for this episode. Thanks again to Dare for uh, hopping on and, and talking shit. Uh, and as usual, stay gutter. I hear those things are awfully loud. It glides as softly as a cloud. Is there a chance the truck could bend? Not on your life, my Hindu friend. What about us Brendan slobs? You'll be given cushy jobs. Were you sent here by the devil? No good, sir. I'm on the level. The ring came off my pudding can. Take my penknife, my good man. I swear it's Springfield's only choice. Throw up your hands and raise your voice. What's it called? 
Mano, don't 